mighty, mighty good preaching this morning. I met this brother at the breakfast bar this morning. Man, what a... Thank you, preacher. That helped me. I appreciate that. And uh, appreciate Bible preaching. And uh, if I could, just for a few minutes, uh, I'd just like to brag on the Bible. That be all right with y'all? I want you to take your Bibles and turn the book of Hebrews with me just for a few minutes. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 4. I really, really appreciate getting to come to the meeting this year. And uh, I appreciate any meeting not only that I get help at, but my wife gets help from. And my wife has been watching by way of internet all week. And she's been texting me throughout the meeting and crying faces and worshiping hand emojis. Amen. That's the way things work today. Yeah. And I, I know what that means. Yeah, yeah. Preacher Matters preached yesterday and Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, but Cody. She said she takes me, she said I stopped the homeschooling, made our kids listen to that preacher preach. About being faithful. She texted me last night after Brother Grady was at the end of his message. My wife's background is not at all like mine, even though we went to the same church. She come from a broken home. She had to be mother to her little sister. She had to watch a whole lot of messed up stuff happen in her home coming up. God saved her and turned into a preacher's wife. Amen. Used it across the country, and she texted me last night, and she said, I'm so thankful that my parents got divorced. Had it not been for that, I would not be who I am. It was not a waste. I just want to say to the preachers that's preached, thank you. You didn't just help me. You're helping somebody else too. Right. Yeah. Uh, and whoever runs the live stream, thank you for that ministry. Really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, people's getting help from it. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I realize you don't get thanked for that. At least a lot of times don't get thought about. But it, people getting help from it. Yeah. I appreciate you doing it. It's helped my family back home. And that means a whole lot to me. Thank the Lord for His Word. Amen. We heard that preached this morning. And I'd just like to brag on the Bible just for a few minutes. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 12, I believe to be one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Amen. On the Bible itself. Yeah. The Bible's got a lot to say about the Bible. Yeah. The Scriptures is the greatest commentary that you'll find on the Scriptures. Yeah. I appreciate books about the Scriptures. I bought every book Brother Man's got back there. He's shipping them to me. I can't wait to get them and use them. In my personal study, I thank God for it, but there's never been a greater commentary about the Bible than the Bible. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 12, I would submit to you that there's not a book that's ever been written like the book you hold in your lap this morning. Uh, Never has been, never will be a book like that book. I'm pretty taken with it myself. I've... 
I've based my eternity on it. I've based my life on it. I've based my family's walk on it. I've based what I do in my personal relationships, in my finances, in every aspect of my life. We don't just say this, but as Bible-believing Baptists, we believe that this book is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. It dictates everything that we do. When we pick the Bible up and read it, we find that really we are not reading it, it is reading us. When I read that Bible, I am not examining it, it starts examining me. I am not correcting it, it corrects me. The writer said in verse number 12 of Hebrews chapter 4, For the word of God is quick, it is alive. I love what Brother Mann said the other day. We were sitting there fellowshipping at the dinner table. We were talking about the book and he said, that book is alive. It gets up and runs around the room at night. (laughs) And because it's alive, it's quick, it's also powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the faults and the intents of the heart. And then he gives life-like attributes to the scriptures. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Lord, I sure do appreciate what we've heard this morning. And I appreciate what we've heard this week. Thank you for the correction of the Scriptures. Thank you for the comfort of the Scriptures. Thank you for the challenge, Lord, this morning. God, I pray that you would help me, Father, just for a few minutes to lift your Word up. You you said that you magnified your Word above all your name. So I pray this morning that the Word of God might become big in our eyes. Lord, I pray we wouldn't treat it flippantly. I pray that it wouldn't just become... A, uh, a paperweight. It wouldn't just become something we sit on the nightstand, but it's something, Lord, that we read and we heed. It makes a difference in our life. God, I thank you so much for this place and this dear pastor and his wife and these good people and the membership of the Shady Acres Baptist Church. I pray your richest blessings would be upon them. I pray you'd give them fruit and souls for their labor. And I pray, God, that you would use this meeting in a mighty way for the rest of the week. And we'll give you the glory for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd just like to make a couple of introductory statements that we all, I believe, subscribe to on the way into what I'm diving off to preach on this morning. We understand this book is a perfect book. The Bible said the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou keep them, O Lord, preserve them this generation forever. Uh, We realize the Bible said the law of the Lord is perfect. And because it is perfect, it has the capabilities to convert the soul this morning. I'm glad that I don't have to question whether what I have in my hand this morning is absolutely perfect. I'm preaching to the choir this morning to say that what we have is different than any book that's ever been written. It is the only book we can hold in our hand, knowing beyond shadow of a doubt that it is pure, perfect, and powerful this morning. This morning, I would like to preach just for a couple of minutes, hurry and get out of the way, on the scope of the Scriptures. The scope of the Scriptures. There is... No race, color, or creed 
where the scope of the Scriptures has not gone to. The scope of the Scriptures is so broad it reaches to the highest of the intellectuals and reaches to the lowest of the IQs. It can reach everybody in between. It reaches to white and it reaches to black. It reaches to rich and it reaches to poor. Uh, There is nowhere in this world on the globe that has not felt the effects of the scope of the scriptures this morning. I was reading a story some time ago that blessed me back in World War II after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor uh, there in December and, and wrecked our Pacific fleet. The Americans wanted to send a message back to the Japanese that even though we were down, we were not out. They wanted to send a prick into the hearts of the motherland. So a man uh, uh, by the name of Colonel Doolittle stepped forward and came up with this audacious plan to launch bombers off the deck of a carrier. That had never happened before. They would get just as close to Japan as they could, release those Doolittle Raiders and fly into Tokyo, bomb a few factories. And even though it would not be the size and the terror that happened at Pearl Harbor, it would let the Japanese know you are not beyond the long reach of the mighty arm of justice. And they did this. And you know the story. They were spotted prematurely. They had to release those planes early. None of them ended up making it to the places where they were designated to go after they bombed. After they bombed Tokyo, many of them had to ditch and bail out. Many of them ended up POWs and prisoners of war in the hands of the terrible Japanese regime. One of them's name was Jacob DeShazer. Jacob DeShazer uh, came from a home of a Christian family and they ended up locking him away in the prison system there and somehow throughout his time in that POW facility they said that somebody smuggled him a Bible somebody smuggled Jacob DeShazer in the darkness of his cell a copy of the King James Bible they said brother Jesse Jacob DeShazer got to reading about a Jesus that died for him and a Jesus that loved him and a Jesus that rose again for him and if he would put his faith and trust in that Christ he could be born again and have his sins forgiven they said in the darkness of the cell Jacob DeShazer bowed his head and his heart and he got born again when the war was over brother Jackson He went back home, dedicated his life to being a missionary, turned around and went back over the seas after the war and went back to Japan, the people that imprisoned him, and began to tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, how could such as something as that happen because of the scriptures this morning? Because of the power and the pureness and the scope of the word of God. I think to myself, Paul said the word of God is not bound. It just passes right on through borders and boundaries and barriers that the devil lays out for it. Here a few years ago I flew into Los Angeles, California to the most liberal state in America. To the most liberal town in the most liberal state in America. It is a place where they hate our Bible. It is a place where they hate things all America. It is a place that defies what you and I believe. And while I was there, Brother Farley, me and the fellow that was with me, we wanted to go eat at the famous place that is uh, California's uh, uh, world-renowned burger joint. It is the biggest fast food joint in California. Somebody mentioned it to me this week. in and out How many of y'all eat an in and out cheeseburger? Praise God. That's a second work of grace right there. Hallelujah. That's almost as good as Whataburger. I didn't mean to blaspheme. Praise the Lord. 
And we went out there and walked into that place and I got the biggest sloppiest cheeseburger that I could find. And I walked back to my table and as I sat down and started getting ready to dive into this cheeseburger and french fries, I got to noticing something. I looked at my cup. I looked at my wrapper. I looked at the wrapper that the french fries was on in the most liberal state in America and in the most liberal town of the most liberal state in America in the most famous fast food restaurant in that liberal state and in that liberal town on my cup, on my wrapper for my hamburger and on my wrapper for my fries was a verse and a reference for a piece of scripture on each and every one of them. I ended up diving in and finding out the man that owns it is a Christian. And I thought to myself, here I stand in the most liberal wicked place in America and the word of God has walked right up in up to the most famous fast food chain in the joint. The word of God's scope goes beyond what mankind can do or stop this morning. This morning I'm preaching on the scope of the scriptures. I'm going to say several quick little things and I'm going to be done. Number one, I'd like to say that the word of God is a microscope for examining deeply. The scope of the scriptures, it is a microscope for examining Deeply, here we find in our text, the Bible said the word of God was quick and powerful, serving a two-edged sword, but it goes beyond that. It pierces even the dividing the sunder. Look how deep it examines. It goes to the soul and the spirit, and it goes down to the joints and the marrow, and then it discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It is a microscope for examining deeply. You know what a microscope is this morning? A microscope is something that lets you see things you normally could not without it. A microscope is something that lets you look down into the molecular level. It's something that lets you look down and see things that you would never be able to highlight without seeing it. I've messed around with some microscopes before. They slide things under microscopes that to the human eye is absolutely invisible. But when you look down through that scope, what brings those little things to light, what brings the invisible things to where they can see them, is not only the power of those mirrors that is inside, but the old microscopes used light as well. It was not only the mirror, but it was also the light that bounced off the mirrors inside that illuminated and highlighted what was unseen to the human eye. And when you looked into that microscope, it illuminated things that you never could see without it. May I say the scriptures are a microscope that lets you examine things that you could never see without them this morning. I'm telling you, if you want to get some insight for your life, if you want to get some insight for your marriage, if you want to get some insight for your finances, if you want to get some insight for your walk with God, you ain't got to consort Oprah. You ain't got to consort Dr. Phil. You ain't got to consort Mari and Montel. Brother, you ain't got to run to Fox News and ABC and MSNBC and CNN. You ain't got to run to Dr. Snazel Bridges and Dr. Bottlestopper. Brother, pick up the Word of God and start examining and it begins to open things up that you can never see without it. And it is the microscope that examines deeply. James said it was the mirror of the Word of God. That's what those microscopes use. Light and mirror. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. James said we look in the perfect law of liberty. You know why people don't like the Bible? Because it highlights exactly what they are. It examines a little too deeply for people. It shows you a little too deeply what you are and who you are this morning. I've never seen anybody walk up to a mirror in the morning time and walk up to a mirror and look at that mirror and say, you were lying. I look good. 
You're lying about what my hair looks like. My hair's perfectly in place. It hasn't been ruined after eight hours of sleep. You ladies go walking up there into that mirror, look like something out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, your mascara done run off this way and that way. Uh, everything done got twisted up. Your hair a thousand places like you stuck your finger in elliptical socket. I mean, fellas, y'all know what I'm talking about. You come out breathing green fog and green eye boogers up in your eyes. Uh, face done got all greasy, hair all matted up. I mean, it's an awful sight. It's an awful sight. You never walked up into the mirror and looked at it and said, that thing's lying. I don't look like that. I'm going to just go how I am. Although I've seen some people at Walmart that I believe they thought the mirror was lying. Amen. Some people are self-deceived. Put on what they put on, walk in Walmart, I look good. No, you don't. Brother, you know what we do? We make, we, make, we make changes based off what the mirror tells us. When the mirror tells us our hair's out of place, we comb it. When the mirror tells us our face is dirty, we wash it. When the mirror tells us our tie's crooked, we fix it. When the mirror tells us things don't look right, we fix it. May I say, the Word of God highlights what's wrong. But the Word of God doesn't just give us the positive side that everything's good. It also gives us the negative side that there are some things wrong. And it's not our job to correct the mirror. It's not our job to tell the mirror that it's wrong. It's our job to let the mirror and the microscope examine us to get things right. It's a microscope for examining deeply. I was preaching in Denver, North Carolina here about a year or so ago and uh, an older preacher that preaches in Maiden, North Carolina, he since had to resign. Uh, been there for years and years. His name is Brother Charles Worley. Brother Worley come to that meeting. Brother Jesse, you know Brother Worley. Great old man of God. And Brother Lutrick, he come. And, and somehow during the meeting, he found out that I was a pilot. And, and I like to fly. An avid aerobatic pilot and things of that nature. And we got to talking about flying. And he said, Brother Zorn, let me tell you something. I only flew one time in a little airplane in my entire life. He said, I'll probably never go back again. Scared me. I said, what happened, preacher? He said, I got in the airplane with one of our members. We started flying somewhere where he had some business, a little small single-engine airplane with retractable gear. He said, I got tired. I'd been busy in ministry. I took a nap. He said, I, I, I got woke up by the fellow bumping me on the shoulder. And he said, preacher, you need to start praying. He said, that ain't never a good sign. I looked at him and said, what do you mean I need to start praying? He said, well, you see that red light on the dash where the landing gear sign is? I said, yeah. He said, I've pushed the button to let the landing gear down. It ain't coming down. Preacher, you need to start praying. I've already radioed to the airport we're going to. They're already spraying the runway down with that white foam retardant, flame retardant stuff. They've already called the paramedics. They've already called the ambulance. They've already called the fire department. We're going to have to belly in on the landing. And Brother uh, Worley looked at him and said, I ain't praying about it until I've read the manual. He said, where is the blessed manual on this airplane? He said, well, preacher, I think it's back yonder. And the preacher said, I turned around and looked, and in the back, man, they were just coke cans and oil cans and a bunch of chalk and garbage and trash he had thrown back there. He said, I started digging through it and finally found the manual. I found the book. He said, I brought it out, flipped to the glossary, and found landing gear. I flopped the word, said landing gear, and it said this. In the event that the landing gear does not let down automatically, there is a provision to let the landing gear down manually. He said, it said to roll the crank under the dashboard. 
dashboard. He said, would y'all locate him? He said, roll that crank 40 times and the green light should come on. He said, I've crunk her 45 times just for good measure. He said, when I crunk it that 40th time, the green light popped on on the dashboard. We felt the gear lock into place. He said, we came in, made our downwind, made our left base, made our final, came in, put the plane down just right, and man made the beautiful, most beautiful landing you ever saw. He looked at me and this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, Brother Zorn, we could have crashed and burned praying about it or we could have just done what the manual said and had a safe landing. No, I thought to myself, there's a lot of Baptists that they use praying as an excuse. Well, just pray about it, preacher. Well, let's just pray about it. May I say, ain't some things you ain't got to pray about. Ain't some things you ain't got to ask God about. If the book said do it, you can say, God, help me do it. But you ain't got to pray, should I do it? You don't have to pray Sunday morning, God. Should I go to church? Book already said do it. You ain't got to pray, God, should I tithe? Book already said do it. You ain't got to pray, should I give to missions? Book already said do it. You ain't got to pray, should I stop shacking up, drinking liquor, smoking dope? The book already said not do it. The problem with a lot of people is they know what the book says. And, uh, they just don't want to do what the book said this morning. Yeah. 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 The scope of the scriptures, it's a microscope for examining deeply. Can I give you another one? Secondly, it's not only a microscope for examining deeply, it's a stethoscope for listening distinctly. It's a stethoscope for listening distinctly. Look, look what he said down here in our, in our text. He said the Word of God doesn't just go down soul, spirit, joints, marrow. But it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the... It's a stethoscope. When my son was going through cancer and had to have those six months of chemotherapy, every week we were at the hospital in the doctor's offices. I got acquainted with all of the, all of the, the, the tools that the doctor used, preacher Dalrymple. The doctor, we'd have to sit in there. You know how you do it. You wait on doctors 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. Brother Calvin, we'd be sitting in there. In the past time, we'd start playing with everything in the doctor's office. We'd get the little light that looks up the nose and looks up the ears, and we'd stick it down our throat, and we'd play around with it. We'd get the latex gloves and blow them up and make out like we was milking cows and everything. It was wonderful. And the doctor would come in and we'd have all that stuff and the stethoscope and playing with it and he'd walk in and I'd sit down and say, I told them not to mess with that, Doc. <laughs> you know how kids are, they want to play with everything. I was trying to get them to stop. <laughs> but he'd come in and Brother Whitbrock, he'd take that stethoscope you wear around his neck. And he'd put that stethoscope on, he'd listen to my son's lungs front and back, he'd listen to his heart. He'd, he'd put it all over the place and go to listen. And one time I asked him, I said, Doc, I ain't never put one of them in my ear. Can I listen? He let my son listen. I want to listen too. <laughs> Come on now, everybody's got a little bit of that in their heart. I want, I want to hear it. So I put that thing on and I stuck it against my son's heart. And you know what I found out about a stethoscope? It not only allows you to hear something else real good distinctly, but it also tunes out all the distractions around you. Well, when you put that thing in your ear... And then stick it on the heart. You can't hear nothing else but whatever it's telling you. You stick it on your heart. That's all you can hear. It tunes out the distractions and homes it right in on the heart. Can I just take a time out and say what that man of God just did for 30 minutes? I 
I was stethoscope right there. He tuned it right into the heart, honey. He yanked it right into where we was at this morning. Listen to me. In this crazy world we live in, I need something to tune some distractions out. Brother Tim, before I come over here this morning, I got everything packed up, did my reading and, 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 and getting ready and all that. And I had about 10 minutes before I should meet Brother Jesse and Brother Tim down there to ride over here. So I done what most good Baptists do. I turned Fox News on. And I sat there for 10 minutes and I watched Fox News and I wished I hadn't. It about got me in the flesh. Because for 10 minutes I watched Nancy Pelosi and I watched Adam Schiff and I watched Jerry Stinking Nadler sit up there and badmouth the president and spew lies and verbal vomit and garbage that's just absolutely tripe and lies. And I sat there and I got so aggravated and I got so ticked off, Brother Lupe. I just about couldn't help myself. And I'll just be honest with you. When I tune in to all the distractions down here, it upsets me. It makes me mad. My children got to live in the world that these wackos are creating. It bothers me. I don't like it. I got a good reason to be upset. But hear me, if I don't do nothing but just constantly plug into that and keep plugged in, it'll make me a miserable Christian. It'll make me a depressed Christian. It'll make me a mad Christian. So you know what I have to do? Every once in a while I have to tune out and tune in. And when I tune out and I start tuning in, the stethoscope of the Word of God starts letting me hear things. Starts giving me voices from another world. I hear a voice. I hear a word from another side that lets me know come what may. As crazy as it may go, it's going to be alright this morning. Scope of the scriptures, it's a microscope for examining deeply, it's a stethoscope for hearing distinctly. Can I give you another one? It it is a periscope for looking directly. It's a periscope for looking directly. Y'all know what a periscope is? (laughs) It's something that lets you see over obstacles. They use them in the Navy and the submarines when they're underwater. They lift the periscope out and look over the top of it. They didn't got these things on the top of Apache helicopters and things of that sitting on top of the rotor that they can hover just behind mountains but see over them because they got a little periscope on the top that lets them look around and see without actually exposing their position. The Word of God's a periscope for letting you see up and over things. You normally couldn't see up and over. I was telling you about when my son went through his cancer and all that business and y'all remember that time. I remember what helped get me through as much as anything. We sat in that hospital room from Sunday to Wednesday before they finally did the surgery and then had to sit there again from Wednesday to the following Sunday for recovery. So for about eight days, we sat in that little hospital room by ourselves every night. You know how you are in hospital rooms. Nobody gets any rest. Doctors is constantly in and out and nurses and turn the lights on, turn the lights off and all that. Brother McGahey, I can remember sitting in that little dark room and I was on one side of the room and two and three o'clock in the morning in the little dark lights that we had on, I anchored myself in the book of Psalms and I read what David had to say and found some comfort and help. And I'd sit there and little tears run off my face and dab on the page. And I look over there on the other side of the room and my wife, she's doing the same thing I was. She had her face buried in the book. You say, what was you doing? I was lifting the periscope up, trying to see over what was in I, co- I couldn't see over it. It was right up in my face. I was lifting the periscope up to see over the top of it. I, I, I read a story one time about a fellow. I probably misquoted his name, but it was a blessing to me. His name was Hien Pham. Hien Pham was a uh, Vietnamese individual that lived over in Vietnam during the time of the Vietnam War. 
when the American army moved out instead of the politicians letting us win the war, instead they just moved us on out and the communists moved right back on in and took right back over when we moved out. And he and Pham, it was a Christian, got born again while the Americans was over there and was living for God and he was sided up with the Americans. When the Americans moved out, the communists come in, they grabbed him up, grabbed his family up, thrown him over in a concentration camp and put him into prison. And he and Pham, he, he said after some days of being interrogated, after some days of being in solitary confinement, he said, I started to wonder if everything I'd been taught was even true. He said, I began to put my mind so full of propaganda and garbage. I began to wonder if even the things that I had believed and was assured of was true. He said, I started praying, Lord, you've got to show me something. You've got to give me something. I ain't got a Bible. I don't got a friend. I don't have anything. And they're pumping my mind full of garbage. He said, God, you've got to help me. You've got to show me something. And they finally gave him the job, the unenviable job, of cleaning out the camp latrines. It's his job to clean out uh, where all the refuse from the camp commanders and others would flow down into the latrines. He said, one day I went out there and I was this close to giving up. I was this close to just saying, flew with it. There's no God, obviously. He's forsaken me and left me. And I'm here all alone. He said, I got down into the latrine and I started cleaning it out. He said, I was low as a man could go. He said, just before I'd about give up, I looked down and I was cleaning the latrine out and I saw a piece of paper with words on it. He said, I reached over and grabbed it and when I pulled it out, I recognized that it was the leaf of a piece of the scriptures. He said, very quickly, I folded it up and put it in my pocket. One of the camp commanders had been using a Bible as toilet paper and running it down the latrine. He said, I folded it up and put it in my clothes and I kept it. I finished doing my duties. He said, I walked back to my little cell where they locked me up. And in the dark night, he said, I pulled that little piece of paper out. And as the light shined through my cell, I opened it up. Y'all, it could have been anything. It could have been, it, it could have been from number of Deuteronomy and that would have been a blessing, but that ain't where it was from. It was a piece of the scriptures from Romans chapter number eight. He said, I unfolded it. When I looked at it, it said this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or peril or nakedness or famine or the sword nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us he said I got courage in my heart to walk on another mile child of God I know you walked up in the camp meeting with stuff right up in your face I mean it's all up in your face you say what should I do when you can't see over it when you can't see around it Run the periscope up. You know what kind of things you run up? Things like this. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You run things like this up. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You can get things like this. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm glad there's a periscope we can run up to see over the obstacles of life this morning. It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry. It's bread when I'm hungry and worn. When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword. It's my shelter from life's troubled storms. It's the light to my pathway. It's the lamp to my feet. When the world gets so dark I can't see. And I've not made a change in one word. 
that it said, but it sure made a change in me. When I think what it costs just to hold in my hand, I'm reminded that I owe a great debt to all those martyrs who'd go to the stake and they quote it with their dying breath. Now the critics, they're many. Believers are few. But one thing I've found to be true, if you find when you read it that there's something wrong, there's something wrong with you. It's the blessed old book that I hold in my hand. True from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it. Now it keeps me from sin. Thank God for the book this morning. Bless his holy name. I know what some of y'all saying. Some of y'all saying, well, that's bibliolatry. Can I tell you what David said? I just read it this morning. David said he would praise his word. David said he got to praise in the word of God. Not just God, but the word of God. May I say when you hold the word of God, you hold the closest thing to God you ever going to hold on earth anyways. He got it up above his holy name this morning. Bless the Lord for the scope of the scriptures. It's a microscope for examining deeply. It's a stethoscope for hearing distinctly. It's a periscope for looking directly. Can I give you this? It's a, it's a telescope for seeing distantly. It's a telescope for seeing distantly. What do you mean it's a, it's a telescope? I got to reading in the book of Galatians and chapter number 3. You know what Paul done said in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 8? It said this, And the scripture foreseeing. What? The scripture? A book can't foresee in the future. It's a book. Unless it's a living book. Said the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Here's what happened right here. Way on back yonder, old Abraham, God walked up to him and said, Hey, Abe, I'm gonna bless you. Abe said, Sound like a good deal. He said, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you seed as the stars of heaven. Abraham said, Glory. He said, I'm gonna give you seed like the sand on the seashore. Hallelujah. How you going to do this, God? I'm going to do it with you, even though you're old. And I'm going to do it with the old gray mare over there. You know, she ain't what she used to be. She ain't what she used to be. Look at him. You and that woman will have youngins. And Abraham said, that just don't seem right. God said, well, Abraham, I'm telling you, what's going to happen in your life? It's a picture of what I'm going to do to some people spiritually down the road down there. You say, how's that possible? Oh, the scripture said this. Abraham... I'm looking way off down there. And I'm telling you how it's going to be. There's a pile of heathen down there. But they're going to put faith in my word just like you put faith in my word. And I'm going to give them my imputed righteousness just like I'm going to give you my imputed righteousness just for believing on me. Yeah, Yeah, that's still happening. It's a telescope. It's foreseen. You know what? You know what I'm saying? God God fell by Isaiah one day and said, Isaiah... I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, one, that ain't nobody going to believe our report. Nobody's going to believe it. But he's going to be a root out of the dry ground. He's going to be the 
some idiot, read their poem, read some stars, and it tells them what the future's going to be. You ain't got to. I got your horoscope right here, baby. I read it. Revelation chapter 20. At the end, friend, whosoever was not found written in the book of life, cast in the lake of fire, is the second death. Whoever was in the book of life, they're heading out into the new heavens and the new earth where there's no more tears. Let me just give you a real quick news update for your future. If you ain't never trusted Jesus Christ and been born again, if you've never put your faith in the risen Lamb of Calvary, you're going to hell just as sure as you're sitting on that beach this morning. That's your future. Just read your horoscope from the book that predicts everybody's horoscope. But here again, if you have put your faith in that Christ, uh, you are headed to the mini-mansion city of God where there is no tears, there is no sorrow, there is no crime, there is no pain, and the former things are passed away. I'd say the future's looking real good, baby. Yeah, man. Yeah. The future's looking good for the child of God. You say, where'd you get that from? My horoscope. Yeah. My telescope, my stethoscope, my periscope, my microscope. It done told me all of it. I love the book. I ain't got nothing to preach without it. I told Preacher McGee, I told our people just Sunday night, 
I got up before them and I started to preach and to teach. And I told them, I said, you want to know something that has happened without fail now for two years since I've been to this church? Every time I've mounted a pulpit for two years since I've been to this church, I have not mounted the pulpit without a text, a verse of Scripture, and breaking it down for you. You say, why do you do that, preacher? Because what Zorn's got to say don't mean squat. But what the book says means everything. I love what the man of God said about Bible preaching. I'm 100% with you, preacher. Thank God for the scope of the Scriptures. Maybe you ain't never read it. That'd be a good thing to plow up some foul ground and say, God, help me to read it. Let me just at least read it this year one time. That's a dog slow reader's pace to just read it once. You can do that. You can do that. Get on the sofa and say, Lord, help me to love that book. Help me to heed that book. How in the world are you going to know what to do in your life if you don't read what God's saying? The scope of the Scriptures. Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. Thank you for these men that have preached to us. I have been helped. I've been touched. I've been challenged. And I give you the glory for all of it. Thank you for giving us a perfect book. Thank you for giving us a book we can base our life on, our eternity on. God, I thank you for a church that still stands with the book. And loves this blessed King James Bible. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to just say we believe it, but Lord, help us to show we believe it. God, we'll give you the glory for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to come, you come, preacher. It's also a hunting scope. Amen. You put crosshairs right on you. That book will put the crosshairs on you. And then God will pull the trigger. It's a, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It can discern between the soul and the spirit. I know people who have been Christians for years and years. They can't tell you the difference between the soul and the spirit. That book can. Appreciate that good preaching. Sorry I got you all sweaty for your trip home. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Appreciate you making the trip. I know your plate's full with that church. Yeah. God might have zeroed in on you for something this morning. Why don't you come as Brother Jesse says?